0: You're listening to the Bitching and Bolicing Podcast with Courtney and Brittany. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Bitching and Bolicing. I'm Brittany.
1: I'm Courtney. And today we have a really special Father's Day episode for you. We're going to chat with two dads who happen to also be our husbands in hope of shedding some light on the experience of fatherhood and disability. So please welcome my husband, Stefano.
2: Hi, everyone.
1: And Brittany's husband, Kyle. Hello. (laughs) We are so happy to have you guys here and chat a little bit about fatherhood and your experiences. I really want to get into how different it is and how how everything for you is probably in a lot of ways isolating just the same way it is for us as moms so just kind of jump right into this one what is the one thing you wish you could change about how people perceive you as a father of interabled kids and when you think about this question also think about what stigmas do you guys feel that you battle every day
2: As a battle for every day, I think that the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge for uh, me is um, I feel that a father is not seen as much as a mother uh, involved into our kid's life or children's life uh, overall. And so I think that is the biggest battle.
1: I think what you're trying to say is that you feel that you're not seen as a caregiver to the kids is that what you're trying to get at
2: uh i just think uh, you know the perspective of a of a mother today and the perspective of a father specifically uh, if you're like talking about like kids where we have kids that you know one of them being disabled it's it's kind of like what role does the father play that's kind of like the external factor that i think most people kind of observe or see as you know uh when it comes to uh a mother being present, or you know, sharing on social media. I think, of course, you know, there's a little bit more sharing on, on, on a mother's side versus a father's side.
1: So this is interesting. You're kind of touching on the stereotypes of the mother being the primary caregiver and the father being in the shadows. But I feel like it, you're also trying to say that it, there is a, a big difference when it comes to uh, fathering a disabled child, and and I think from my perspective. Perhaps this is what you're trying to get at. You are very involved, regardless of being Lino being disabled or not. Um, You're a very involved father, and you feel that's not acknowledged or seen?
2: Yeah, I I think that's, you exactly nailed it. I think it's more like, you know, I'm involved with my kids a lot, uh, more than what I actually had expected prior to having kids, uh, or prior to having Lino specifically. But, you know, I don't think it's something that's kind of like, Noticed on the outside or anything like that, I just you know it's kind of seen as oh you know, dad kind of goes to work as a concept, so um you know we clearly have uh involvement with our kids, and you know we we uh, feel that we're we're always there for them, and you know we're always uh, happy to do something with them, you know, I enjoy my time with them, so uh that's kind of how I, I I view it so far.
0: I will say that I do think it's always really surprising to me when people are completely shocked over how involved Kyle is and there's always this, this stereotype of you know dad doesn't know the name of the teachers or the kids best friends or you know they don't even know their kid's birthday and it's always really surprising to me because I remember one time when I was picking Cyrus up at school Kyle he drops Cyrus off and does pick up on Mondays And I remember one of the staff members there was like, oh, well, how's daddy doing with daddy drop off and daddy pick up? And I was like, what? This is nothing. (laughs) Do you know what my husband does? (laughs) And it was really surprising. And it's almost expected that Kyle shouldn't know anything or doesn't know anything. And whenever I tell people that I can leave the house and everyone's fine and Cyrus gets his meds and Cyrus can get feeds and yeah people are flabbergasted by that Kyle I think I mean you've you've experienced it in person Mm -hmm. going to doctor's appointments alone or therapy appointments alone
3: heavens behold if I show up with both kids by myself and it's just like utter shock that you know oh (laughs) I guess you know what happened to mom something must be up like what's going on Nope, just out of the house for a couple hours going to one of our easy appointments you know it's uh you know we do this every day and yeah it's almost just like the dad's the lovable doofus if he's there at all and that's the the perception and yeah i guess i didn't really realize that before experiencing it being on the end of that and it's just and you know you mentioned Brittany pretty much the exact things i was going to say just you know Maybe the second time I took Cyrus to school, just because you know, on my day off is the day I bring him. And like you said, it was just how's how's drop off. I was like, I drive five minutes in a car. I <laughs> take my kid out of the car and then I come back a couple hours later and put him in the car. I mean, I do more at night during you know my sleeping hours than I'm doing right now for this. That's <laughs> <So> true. So, <laughs> true. and I honestly didn't really know how to respond. I d- didn't know if they were being serious or not. So, no, it's it's great.
0: <laughs> Do you guys feel that having a disabled child has sort of... Men are very capable caregivers, and I want to just throw that out there. Mm. Kyle is more capable most of the time as a caregiver than I am. Like, he remembers doctors' names that I just I have no idea. <laughs> and we've seen them dozens of times. And so... I'm just wondering, would you have maybe potentially fallen into that societal expectation of like, oh, the goofy dad that doesn't know the names of the teachers? And do you think having a disabled child has forced you to step up and have to be more of a caregiver? And in turn, I'm sure, you know, the younger kids are feeling the effects of that. You know, like you're more involved in the older boys' lives and you're more involved in the younger kids' lives now because of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would think that I would be similarly involved, even if it's in different ways, regardless, uh, you know, I never really planned to be a, see, I mean, to me, it's, I was just gonna use the term absentee father kind of facetiously being like, if I'm not doing this thing, because to me, it's just this is what you should be doing, you know, if if, assuming you're co-parenting together, living together with the children full time, that you would just be doing these things hand in hand. And, of course, I'm not going to claim that i do as much as Brittany does you know when she's with the kids 24 7 and and you know when i go to work i'm not really able to do anything directly but when i am there i make sure that i do as much as i can to do my part but but yeah i guess i would say getting into this role with a disabled and medically complicated child definitely forced me i would have to be more involved and know what's going on and then you know certain things Maybe a good way to describe it is I don't feel comfortable and don't know if or at what point I will be leaving either of our kids, really, but particularly Cyrus, with anybody other than us. And, you know, I'm used to having that fallback that Brittany's always taking care of the kids, but in the few and far between times that, you know, we both have to be somewhere or we have to do something together or... You know, we're recording a podcast and (laughs) the grandparents have the kids for a short period of time. Like, I'm riddled with anxiety from that because the litany of things that can go wrong, you know, the ways that we know the little signs and things that could be good or bad with SARS, you know, especially a nonverbal child. And I guess technically both our kids aren't really speaking at this point. So, you know, it's it may be in a different situation or like if I see my friends and, and, you know, other people. Where it's like, oh, you know, we can go out to dinner or we can do this and we can leave the kids with whomever, the babysitter, the the grandparents, you know, whatever it is. And I feel like I would never be comfortable doing that because, you know, even if they're trained and and we tell them what to do. and, And I have no doubt in their love for our kids, they're never going to be as good at it as us who are there, at least one, if not both of us, literally 24 hours a day.
2: Yeah. What, what I what I find interesting is actually we, we just came back from, uh, I mean, just came back. We were in Italy kind of like a month, two months ago. And, you know, um, most of my friends live there. I moved here about 10 years ago. So uh, truly my, my my best friends and, and my family lives there. It was interesting to see my friends are now having kids and all of that. And, you know, the different level of Involvement that my friends have respect to what I have with our kids, and you know, my my best friend like barely has ever changed a diaper, and you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like, and to me it was shocking. It was like, what what are we, what are we talking about here? Like you don't you don't do that. And it was like, no, I don't, you know, I, I, I kind of find it gross. And, and, and to me, it's like, well, you know, if you had to see what I do, then I, I, I really don't know how you would feel, but, you Have know. Have you ever the
0: changed force- a G-tube? No. Yeah. yeah. And,
2: and, you know, it's, as Kyle said, I don't, find myself as strong as a caregiver as, as Courtney, you know, I think, you know, Courtney spends most of the day here with kids and while I'm at work, you know, it's, it's truly a lot of what she does is is something that I don't know necessarily if I'd be able to do, although I am very involved, but, you know, to do that all day long and every single day and have the patience of doing it. And sometimes either the patience is there or it's not, it's truly a difficult, uh, life to live. Mm. Uh, but to see friends or people that, are not as involved as I am. I I feel that it's something that truly is, is mind blowing to me, but more than anything else, it's really one of those things where I feel that sometimes I don't know if Lino made me this involved necessarily. I I am as involved no matter what with Luca, but truly at the end of the day, I think that a lot of perspective was brought with, with Lino uh, being the way he is overall.
1: Well, and I think the Brittany touched on this briefly. There is always this assumption that dads are just this kind of stand in figure. They're not really very involved. They don't do as much as mom. You know, they're really just the background, they're just the breadwinners. And it's interesting because even one time we experienced uh, we experienced a lot of stereotypes I feel like and you guys probably feel the same way when when you're talking to doctors and therapists and you mentioned even the school uh, made assumptions about Kyle we even went to a doctor's appointment recently and we were in a situation wasn't exactly like this but the male doctor wouldn't talk directly to me he would only talk to Stefano and I kept speaking to to him and he would not make eye contact with me he would answer my question to Stefano and it was so so strange
0: yeah we had a very similar experience recently where we went to a doctor's appointment and I was really shocked by how Kyle wasn't really even addressed
1: oh my god (laughs) at all
0: and I It was so strange and I think Kyle had some questions and then the doctor was kind of responding to me and it was very much like, oh, silly dad over there. You know, I'll I'll answer to mom, mom will know everything. And we left the doctor's appointment and we were walking to the car and I asked Kyle, I was like, do you feel like you were kind of treated as though you're not even really part of our kids' lives? And he was like, yeah, it was a little weird. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That definitely happens too. I feel like particularly with school, IEP stuff, Mm -hmm. the questions are always directed at me. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But to be fair, Mm -hmm. we actually do isolate some tasks. So I've taken on the role of like communicating in regards to IEP stuff, just because I think too many chefs in the kitchen makes it more Mm. complicated. So Stefano and I always talk about everything and we decide what we're doing when it comes to school and IEPs. But when we're doing IEP meetings, We're always both present, but it's usually a majority of me. But that's got to feel strange to be involved, but like, yeah, dismissed, like not Mm. allowed to be involved because you're fully involved in every decision we make. But it's it's almost like you have to be like shut down.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the nature of how just certain people are. And I remember when when Lino was like really, really little and he was doing early intervention. I used to be off when PT was there for Lino. And, you know, Courtney used to do OT. And I feel like I had a better relationship with the physical therapist and she would tell me more versus the when I found myself with the occupational therapist, you know, you kind of find yourself a little bit out of place because you're like, okay, well, she definitely caters more to Courtney versus myself and, and you know, vice versa. So it's how you really have perception of it overall, but you know, I think it's also how people kind of see it from the outside and you know how they they kind of relate to specific things
1: I want to talk a little bit about birth trauma what were some of the biggest challenges you guys faced after such a traumatic birth uh, of Lino and Cyrus
3: I mean not that this is at all unique to me or us but it's it's like you just got hit in the face by a tidal wave you know so for us We became parents at the same moment we became parents to a disabled child, so we're learning a lot of things and experiencing a lot of things for the first time with both. So I I can't necessarily take apart one from the other, but you know, you kind of go into knowing that your child's about to be born, kind of trying to psych yourself up and get ready and make sure, you know, am I up for the challenge and how are we going to do this and all that. And then the biggest thing isn't, well, I have to learn how to change a diaper or am I going to, you know, what am I going to do when my kids cry in the middle of the night? It's going to be, what is this test? What is this procedure that now they have to do? What are these diagnostic results? Is my kid coming home from the NICU? You know what I mean? And, and uh, I don't know. I don't know how you, you can't really process everything and act on it in the way you want to, especially when that, that's your baby. You know, you just became a parent. And it's hard to not just, you know, what, what do you do? It, that, I guess that what I'm trying to say is, do you try to go past that, that wall of emotion that, that that's welling up and wants to take over you to try to learn what has to learn, figure out what's going to be on, be strong for yourself and your partner and your child? and Or do you, I don't know if I want to say embrace the emotion, but kind of live in that moment, you know, and, and, and really deal with it. It's It's, I don't know. I don't know that there's time, mental capacity, or emotional fortitude enough to, to necessarily do everything at once. And I don't know that you should, but it's just, it's that constant one or the other where you go from being really stoic about things and trying to be rational and focus on what's going on to the point where you can't even speak because you're so overcome with one. And that, and how many times, especially at the beginning, how many times at the beginning does that just, you know, you keep switching back and forth, or at least I'll speak for myself and it's just, you, you can't really control anything
0: i remember when cyrus was born we didn't know the gender we wanted it to be a surprise and i remember when he was coming out and everything they they took him they put him on my chest and kyle was right next to me and immediately from my chest cut the cord put him onto a warmer and started resuscitating and all that and i remember as they were moving him across me i was like oh my god it's a boy I had no idea what was going on. I, In my head, I was thinking, I just gave birth. I just had a baby. And I remember looking at Kyle and I looked at him and I said, it's a boy. And he, looked, he gave me such a look to like this day haunts me of I don't even know if this baby's alive right now. And I think that was the most vulnerable moment throughout I would say our NICU journey that I really saw share panic. And I think I turned ice cold. And he didn't have to say anything to me. And he didn't say anything to me. He just looked at me like, I don't know if this baby's alive. He didn't cry. There was no crying or anything like that. From that point on, I feel like there had to be so much emotional suppression on Kyle's part. Because I was such a disaster. Through our entire NICU day and even once we started coming home I think he had to suppress so many emotions and it took me a good I want to say 9 to 12 months until I realized like he had so much trauma that he was dealing with and he just had to be this stoic person for for Cyrus and I but yeah that that's kind of my story of like seeing that really raw emotion as soon as the baby came out and I feel like that was a turning point not just as parents obviously but in our relationship it was a huge turning point and I think some of it was for the better I think some of it was for the worse I know I was really struggling early on because I didn't realize how much trauma he had dealt with because it was never really talked about. Because, you know, guys, you can't talk about trauma. You can't talk about your emotions. You have to be strong for the moms. The moms just yep. birthday human. And you have to be the, the rock for the moms. And, I mean, Kyle was totally. Like, he was great. He was our rock. He was the only thing that really got us through, uh, like, the worst days and months of our lives but then when I started coming above water I was kind of like why aren't you feeling all of the trauma and then I realized he was he just had to suppress it and I don't know if that's the same for you guys I mean Kyle I don't know if you would agree with that I I feel like you would because we have had these conversations where Mm -hmm. you just weren't really you didn't have the capacity to talk about your trauma and share your trauma and do all that because you had to be the strong one Well, I
3: didn't want to us. burden you with it. Yeah. That was just my thought is that you're dealing with enough. I can handle it. I don't need to make it harder for you to handle.
0: Mm. And
3: that's probably not healthy. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of my mindset. Like, you're caring for Cyrus in certain ways. I'm caring for you in a way. You know what I mean? And it's just...
0: And I think about it now and I, and I think back to then and it makes me so sad to think about all of this that kyle had to go through without really my support because i was going through it myself and without being able to lean on anyone else and it really makes me so sad because i dealt with so many big emotions during that and i went to him and it's like he said he didn't want to burden me and i and i go yeah it makes me really sad to think about (laughs)
2: it like I get really sad
0: <laughs> yeah I get really emotional thinking about it and it took me like I said almost a year to really process that he had so much trauma and I just wasn't capable of being there for him but I also wasn't even aware that he had all of this trauma because he didn't want to burden me with it and to just think about how much he had to process alone just yeah God, it guts me now thinking about it.
1: I completely agree with you, Brittany. I think in a lot of ways, our first kind of year was very similar. Um, You know, it was very much a focus on me dealing with a lot, not Stefano dealing with a lot. And it definitely took probably about a year or two before I made that realization as well. Same as you. So it sounds like the way you described the event of Cyrus's birth was that almost like, Kyle, you disassociated, you just kind of disconnected and did what you had to do in that moment medically. I'm sure they probably grabbed you and took you with Cyrus, had you sign things, had you do a bunch of things just like how Stefano Mm -hmm. was. When Lino was born, Stefano was remarkably good at not showing any sign that something was wrong with Lino he kept his eyes on me and never looked away. And he just kept saying, you did great. Like, it's okay. Everything's okay. And I still wasn't really registering that everything wasn't okay at all. I was like, (laughs) I thought I was dying on the table. But he stayed positive and never looked away from me. And I guess in hindsight, when I think about it, I think I subconsciously knew something was wrong. The fact that he wasn't interested in our baby.
2: So uh, for me, of course, when Lena was born, it was like, I saw him. And like he was not breathing and he was blue. And you know, at the same time, usually you have this this thought that a baby is is coming out and is going to cry or is going to make a sound. And that sound was not there. And I think Courtney was like, Is he okay? Is he okay? And I was really just trying to be like, Yeah, he's okay. And kind of keeping an eye on him going towards the other side of the room. And I really thought and I still think to this day I don't know how I kept myself together because I am a very emotional person and I am the type of guy that in in specific moments I feel like I would panic but I feel that till today I've had few instances with Leno where I had to act and didn't nece- necessarily quote unquote panic and one of those moments was definitely when he was born and I do remember at one point I was asked to follow the doctors, the nurse and everything. And I was like, I just need a cup of water for a second because I I really was understanding something was, of course, wrong. Uh, Medically, not being a professional, I wasn't able to be like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. But, you know, you kind of have that instinct and, you know, you kind of understand, of course, from from the situation uh, that something's not right. And then I think that was the biggest trauma for me was not being able to enjoy the moment with Courtney, and you know, having to go and sign a ton of paperwork for someone that you know, I, I come from a country where healthcare is free. And to be asked all these questions, I feel when you don't even know what's going on or you know if your your child is surviving necessarily, and, and you're asked, "Oh, are you okay with this? Are you okay with that?" Like there's was a ton of paperwork thrown to my face, and I was like, whatever you guys need to do to make sure he's okay, that's that's truly what I want. i I don't really care what it is. And I remember then seeing him and seeing him in that moment for me was like, wow, like this kid, kid's amazing. So it was really what I wanted to bring back to Courtney to let her know because she wasn't able to see him. But I think also part of the the, the biggest trauma for me was during the time in NICU going, going back and forth with work, I was able to be off the first week and then kind of went back to work and... Having always on that mind—is something going to go wrong? Am I close enough? Am I going to be able to get there in time? It was really, really, really difficult throughout first year. It was kind of like that, even when Lino was home. So you're kind of like, well, is something going to go wrong while I'm at work? Do I have to run? And I remember leaving work a ton of times, you know, just because something was was not right. I didn't feel right more than anything else, and it was more to kind of make Courtney feel. Quote unquote better, although I don't know if necessarily that was making her feel better, but it was my way of reacting to things and being able to kind of like be there to support her, I would say. Because my biggest priority was like, okay, well, I'm not there every day. She is, and I don't, I, I think she's feeling it more than me. I think she was feeling it a lot, but I don't think that you can compare how someone is feeling versus another person or how yourself, how you're feeling. I, I think that's what I would kind of put out there is that moment is really a important moment of communication and being able to kind of go through each other's trauma is maybe a better solution i can't say it wasn't bad for us or it wasn't good for us but it was a moment where i kept a lot in and i feel that with time passing that has eventually caught up to us and made relationship definitely more difficult at times Mm -hmm. but You try to try to move forward and try to understand how to better things, I guess.
1: I think we were in survival mode. Not that we're not still in survival mode, (laughs) but I think the level of survival mode Uh we were in in that first year particularly was so jolting. It was isolating, we weren't communicating, we were fighting, we were confused, our whole world had been flipped upside down. Again, there was a huge emphasis on the trauma I was going through. I was really struggling that first year, you know, it was really hard to communicate with him it was hard not to feel resentful oh my god the level of resentment I had for now having to be home and care for a medically complex child and not be able to work not be able to have any sort of outside engagement honestly and watching him go to work and I would focus on those things completely ignoring his own trauma yeah. You know, and I think the other thing is sometimes we forget he experienced the trauma of a traumatic birth and, and his son having an injury. But I think there's also a level of trauma that you saw for what I went through, the trauma of experiencing that as my partner.
2: I I Sometimes I, I feel like maybe I I should have been more present or I should have asked more questions, but you're so focused on your child at times and you're like trying to make sure that your child is okay not that you're putting your partner your spouse your wife in in second place but that medically fragile child is definitely becomes a priority in certain moments and not necessarily that is the truth but you you tend to to give more to that of course And I think that's, you know, that one thing that I would possibly, like, take back or try to, like, change uh, more than anything else. Because I feel like that was me not being able to cater to my spouse, to my wife.
0: I feel like that from my side of things. I actually even remember talking to my therapist early on because I think I sought out a therapist around three months postpartum or so. And I remember saying to her that I was dealing with so much PTSD and so much trauma that I felt like the only person I had the capability of loving in those moments was Cyrus. Mm. And I reflect back on that now and I'm like, that wasn't okay because it did push Kyle to the side a lot. And I know Kyle and I have talked about it just because we were so close to losing him it just became all-encompassing like Cyrus became the literal center of my universe and I had to put so much emotion and energy and love into him not out of guilt but more just to be like I am so thankful you're here that I didn't have capacity to even love myself, I'll say. Like, that, that That didn't exist. It was Cyrus, and that was it. And it was like that for probably the first 9 to 12 months, I think. And then I kind of started coming out of that and realizing, like, oh, I have my partner, and he's my best friend. And then that was when I really started honing in on Kyle's trauma and his emotions and feeling more like we went through this together. Because we did. And, and I do sit back, and I do think... We didn't just go through it together, but then it was Kyle almost losing his baby, but then also having to deal with all of these medical decisions early on without me, and then being completely alone with Cyrus because Cyrus was transferred, so I had to stay back. And he had to he had to watch Cyrus get intubated. He had to watch Cyrus get extubated. He had to make decisions that... He you know, he didn't really know if they were the right or the wrong decisions. I remember him sending me a video of Cyrus taking a pacifier and it was like, you know, this tiny little baby and like this huge pacifier and then like Kyle's huge hand and I remember hearing him say, this will have to do until you see mama. And I can't really imagine as hard as it is to give birth and be alone, it must be really hard seeing your partner give birth to your child your child almost dying and then you having to leave your partner to be like see ya you just birthed a human you're gonna have to figure it all out on your own (laughs) there must be this divide of who should I be with what should I do
3: yeah I mean it's it's not even specific to that moment I mean yeah there's there's no happy my kid was just born I'm overjoyed um the the beaming father you know what i mean there is none of that it's all the thoughts of trying to focus on what's going on and never mind is everything going to be okay but literally from second to second what's happening and what to do and yeah i mean you're you're definitely between two places at once it's it's what's going on with with the baby and what's going on with my wife and there is no me in the middle mm. and to not have any control over either of those really is a very difficult position to be in because you're just you're a helpless bystander for the two people you care more about in the world than yourself yeah i mean i've kind of always prided myself on being able to stay pretty focused not let my emotions overcome me and things like that and that was really the first not the first time in my life but the first time where i i couldn't think clearly about certain things and you'd kind of go back and forth where it's trying to focus on what's going on with the baby and kind of you know oh let me give britney updates and text her what's going on while not trying to worry her too much but at the same time why isn't she here a couple hours later is she hemorrhaging you know nobody over there if i don't hear from her for a little while which is totally expected you know it's not surprising what with what's going on but i don't even know if she's okay You know, it's just kind of like, here, drive behind this ambulance and we'll get her once she's stable. She'll come over there too. And you're expecting that's going to be 45 minutes, not however many hours it was, you know, so.
0: And nobody was really keeping
1: him And yeah, nobody is going
3: to come by and say, hey, from the other hospital, here's what's going on with your wife. You you barely know what's going on with your baby.
1: Mm. It's such a wild position to be in. I honestly don't, (laughs) not going to pretend that. Our position, Brittany, wasn't wild to be in, but I think about what the two of you went through, and it's really wild. It's wild to think that you're just pulled out of that room with that baby and sent somewhere else, and you really are split between two worlds that you have no choice at whatsoever. You're just stuck in the middle Uh, of your wife and your your newly born child who is really life and death at that moment
2: I I don't remember specifically how many hours I had my eyes open but my eyes were so dry from (laughs) (laughs) from basically being like awake for a several, several, several D's, you know, it was kind of like keeping an eye on Lino and keeping an eye on Courtney and not being able to really go to sleep because if you missed out 10, 15 minutes, five minutes or a minute, you're like, is, is my child here? Is my wife here? And, and really you're like struggling inside. And for me, the easiest thing was I'm just going to stay awake and pretend that I shouldn't sleep and I shouldn't have an issue and I should just be here the entire time because that's the best way for me to have things quote-unquote under control but
1: it, it was almost a full 48 hours I think it was like 46 hours that he was awake and his eyes were so swollen from <sighs> crying from not resting that I took the postpartum ice pack that you put <laughs> you put in your postpartum underwear and I slapped that bad boy right on his
2: eyes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. My eyes were like <laughs> really red and puffy oh. and I just couldn't close that. Night. They were like <laughs> burning at one point and I was like I mean, I'm in the hospital. I can ask for an ice pack or something. And that
1: was the <laughs> first time I laughed since yeah. Lino, Lino's birth.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because
1: absolutely. I couldn't help but laugh at him with his damn pad over his eyeballs. <laughs> I was like, "You're you're ridiculous right now." But when you think about how traumatic that is, it, it, the, you're running on adrenaline. You're you're just in survival mode. You really, honestly, anything could be behind the next door, and that fear is so ever-present you just don't know how to stop
0: and those moments are so important especially early on I remember and I'll still like I'll probably giggle about this story but Kyle and I we did not leave that NICU room there was always at least one of us there I think we went out to eat once maybe I think once Cyrus was warmed up and very stable um, the nurses kind of pushed us out the door and they were like, you need to leave this room. There was one night that I stayed and Kyle came home and I was like, you need to go take care of the dog. And so it was the same situation where we just weren't able to connect, which is probably the least important thing, I think, when you're watching yeah. your baby survive. But there's also, you're in it as a partnership and there does need to be some sort of connection. And it's not going to come from going out and eating sushi. we were pushed out the door to do but I remember we were sitting in they had a family room right next to Cyrus's room which was beautiful because we were able to go in there there was a shower there was a toilet nobody else really came to that end because I think that was the end of the NICU where they put more of the stable babies (laughs) we kind of got like the bottom of the barrel nurses (laughs) during that point and we were in this family room we went in there I think we were gonna go have a bite to eat and there were no lights on in there and we went in there and I think we just kind of sat down and the door was open so we were getting the light from the hallway and other end of the family room there was a staff member just sitting there in the dark just in the corner and at that (laughs) point we were so uncomfortable because we were like if we leave now it's going to be obvious why we're leaving and we are sitting there and we're just kind of whispering to each other we're like what the fuck do we do right now (laughs) do we like what is going on (laughs) And it was the first time that I was genuinely laughing and trying not to laugh because I didn't want to have this <laughs> poor woman sitting in the dark. <laughs> and yeah, I still think back to that one moment and I'm like, it felt so good in that moment to just laugh.
1: To almost be normal. Yeah
0: to almost be normal and to be like all right this is my best friend and we're in this together and just to kind of be new parents we never thought we'd have a baby in the NICU but to just be new parents and kind of in this really weird postpartum haze laughing about somebody sitting in the dark in the family room and we couldn't (laughs) leave we were kind of stuck there at that point (laughs) but Kyle I, I would love to get both of your opinions on this because Kyle, you had mentioned that you have been very, almost permanently altered by all of this because you have always been very logical with your thinking. Kyle is a medical professional, so he's a researcher, so he would always research and come up with the best solutions for things, and you've mentioned recently that you doubt yourself a lot and you second you guess yourself a lot and you find that it's harder for you to think logically and sometimes you think emotionally even if it's something silly like watching a bluey episode
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's tough because you kind of go along thinking well if i do this plus this and that and those are the smart things to do and this is what you should do here then this will be the outcome and then you're thrown i mean being thrown into parenthood is and lack of control and the unexpected and all that anyway but in this kind of situation there's so much that's out of your control and even things that you can let's say make a decision on or you know you're asked to make a choice for something how do you make the right decision I mean sometimes it's literally life or death sometimes it's sometimes you just don't even know or appreciate the the weight of that situation or that decision and it's difficult. It's it's a situation where just being logical doesn't give you the answer. Yeah, like like you mentioned as well, it's, you know, I've found now it is a lot harder to control emotions in certain circumstances, and things do affect you, or me, I should say, when I say you, in a lot of ways that they, they didn't, and especially early on when, when Cyrus was younger and, and things were still unknown and and the confusion and 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 doubt about everything going on you know there would be mornings where get up early with cyrus and try to let Britney sleep till 6 30 on that Saturday or something crazy like that. And we'd be sitting there watching Disney plus and some sappy thing would come on. And I'm over here with my eyes watering up because it was just so touching. And they go, Oh, or, you know, Oh, look at the sacrifice this parent made for their kid. Or, or, you know, I'm, I'm not even talking about Mufasa over here. I mean, little, <laughs> little, <laughs> little, the silliest little thing. And I'm over here, practically weeping and it's just then that's when you realize how much this stuff affects you even if you don't realize it it's just it's ingrained i don't think it's it's necessarily different now and that's not necessarily good or bad but yeah you at least realize you don't have control over those things that you realize how many things you don't have control over but you don't even have control over yourself anymore and Mm. and your emotions and that's something i mean maybe not everybody would say the same thing, but I always felt like I can control my emotions and, and you know, I, I won't let things get to the better. I me. Mean, I'll think logically in this situation if I have to make this decision. Well, I never had to make a decision for my very sick child before, so... And and you can't really appreciate what that's like without being in that situation, and it kind of... I guess in some ways that in and of itself brought Brittany and I together because we're both in this same situation, you know, and, and everything we do, we're, we're doing for our child and to try to make the right decision and you never know if you're making the right decision or a terrible decision or if you shouldn't make any decision or (laughs) decisions that were made for you you should do something about and and yeah that you're never going to be the same that you were i
2: i I find myself very similar when it comes to the 6 a.m sort of situation where I'm with Lino and, you know, I'm watching something on TV and although we watch the same things over and over, it's like, (laughs) Oh, but I, I didn't notice this last time. And you start like building a case on one scene that you just finally noticed. And you're like thinking about a million things. And I think one of the biggest challenges for me is my brain never shuts down. I think that I'm constantly thinking, is Lino okay? Am I doing the right thing? Am I supporting Courtney in the right way? Am I making the right decision? And you start going into... Between me and Courtney, Courtney, of course, uh, is is more of the medical expert, I would say here. So, you know, he ends up being the person that uh, multiple times might be pulling the trigger a little bit more in terms of specific things. And I'm like, well, what if, what if I have to do it? Or, you know, uh, what would I do? Or... Uh, you just start questioning everything and you just start thinking a lot. And, and sometimes, you know, those moments are, are good and bad, but you, you you truly, I feel like my brain just doesn't stop at times. And it's like on a constant cycle where it's always like thinking about something. And uh, sometimes it, the easiest thing might be actually, you know, just to kind of shut it off and be like, okay, just, just go with the flow.
1: So I wanted to talk to you guys about Now that we talked about Cyrus and Lino's birth and and becoming parents and having your vision of what fatherhood would look like, I wanted to get your opinions and your views on what is your experience now since having a second child who is not disabled? Do you think there's Different things you've learned? Do you think you've changed your perspective on fatherhood? You know, I, I know as a mom, I'm sure Brittany feels the same way. You have your firstborn disabled, your second child after that is not. It's a very strange thing to go through parenting that child when development looks different, milestones are different, all these other things kind of unfold very differently. And how you parent does shift although I would say I, I feel like I parent them equally and the same and I love my children equally, how I parent before Luca looks different now that Luca's here. How does that look for you guys as fathers?
2: So, of course, you, you come to realize that path is completely different. So the roads I didn't cross with Lino, I am now crossing with Luca and comparison quote-unquote comes into place where you're like oh I really never even realized how just a simple kid playing with some toys is something that I I, I really never experienced until I saw Luca do that and it kind of sometimes really stops me and it makes me think oh I wish Lino was able to do that or at the same time I see Luca do certain things and you're there cheering him or you're there like saying good job. And then I'm like, okay, well do I, do I say that enough to Lino now? Because Lino used to be the only child. And of course all the attentions always went to Lino. And now, although they still go majority to Lino for specific things, it's kind of like you're spreading yourself out a little bit more. And, and you're making that decision of course to, to support one child. And yeah, I, I, very confident that Lino understands. And sometimes I see him where he, he just looks at me after I said something to Luke and I'm like, immediately going to Lino and, and cheering him up and saying, good job, Lino. Like, do you want to play with us or do you want to do something with us? And it's just a different type of, um, feeling you get. I don't think from a parenting perspective, I have changed in terms of, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more strict with Luke, I would say, but, um, <laughs> I used to say to Lino uh, in in Italian, Lino enough. And, you know, we also used to do it because of Lino would like give us the lip. And it was like the most cutest thing that you can actually see. And so it was kind of like a joke. Sometimes you would be like Lino enough just to see him give you the lip. But, you know, I find myself where I say that to Luca and I I say to Luca, you know, your brother was such a good boy. He would just really... (laughs) Feel the quote unquote terror of, of of his father. Instead, you're you're like you just really don't care. You just Luca go on. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ignores me complete, completely. Completely. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 an interesting thing. But I don't find myself like parenting in a different way. I just find myself comparing myself and judging myself. Am I doing the right thing for both of them, or am I being as equal? And you know, Lino is is always having that special place in my heart and so does Luca. But I I feel more confident in saying, okay, I'm going to leave Luca with my sister or I'm going to leave Luca with, you know, whoever can watch him, my sister-in-law, whatever the case would be. But if it comes to Lino, I'm still like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can go away. I can't go away for work. I can't go into the city for work or whatever the case is because you're always thinking in a different way. So I don't think it's necessarily parenting in a different way. I think it's just a matter of perspective. And I find myself more, Challenged in terms of am I being as equal and am I being am I giving both the right right type of 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 attention more than anything else? Hmm.
1: Yeah, the self judgment can be hard some on some days for sure. I, I definitely feel that as as a parent <laughs> and always trying to bring that equality, not trying to parent one a different way than the other.
2: Yeah
3: yeah one thing I can say more of an internal situation with myself over the the first year you know of of having a second child and and something that I've been kind of struggling with and, and, and better now with it but but something that really I didn't expect was any whether you want to call it a milestone or any anything that you know our second child was doing, my instant reaction was sadness mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy any of those moments those first this or first that and literally I was just sad saying well you know whether it's true or not Cyrus might never do that or he could never do that or he's always going to struggle with this or that and that's maybe it's not even true and maybe I'm 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 making a statement and a definitive for for cyrus that isn't true but that's the first thing you think of and that's not fair to anyone if i'm just speaking for myself that's not that was taken from me that i'll never in those moments at least i'm not saying never going forward but instead of just being happy that my kid picked up something with two fingers or any any of the little things that no second parent would probably Bad an eye at it as you know parent of a second child maybe your when it's your first child you know you would think oh this is it. but the second child, you're like oh this is this is normal this is just whatever yeah okay we know that that's fine so it's not even that I'm not enjoying it or 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 proud it's just just sadness and that's all I would feel and I would have to fight that and because I don't want Alden to to not be encouraged in the way that he should be and and kind of you had just mentioned you want to kind of balance that and 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 not make Cyrus feel that he's a disappointment or that. Mm-hmm he's sad himself that he can't, or any of those things, but at the same time, are you constantly going to have to temper every bit of praise for one child with something, you know, then you're taking away from, from the second child, yeah. and it's, yeah. so that's certainly a difficulty, but I, I just knew for myself I would have to try to work on that and try to live in the moment, and I find out that I can be happy and proud of what Alden can do now without meaning I don't care about Cyrus.
0: We've had a lot of conversations about this and just like projecting that onto the kids and trying not to. And it was really kind of surprising for me to hear Kyle talk about this when we first started discussing it because I always thought I would be that parent. I always thought I would be the one who would see Alden do things and I would feel all this grief over Cyrus not doing it. And I was really preparing myself when I was pregnant that, I would have to deal with these emotions. And I haven't dealt with them at all. I think there are things like Alden eating and just feeling like this came so easy to you meanwhile cyrus is struggling with secretions and it's more of that kind of safety situation and comfort situation of of i get upset that cyrus has to be in pain or be uncomfortable over things that come so easily to alden but in terms of seeing alden do things and cyrus not doing things and cyrus seeing us give alden praise i mean alden sees us praise cyrus over the littlest things all the time <laughs> just little things like cyrus um, moving his tongue a certain way and we're like oh my god that's amazing and I don't want Cyrus to feel that way but I also don't want Alden to feel that way and I sit back with Cyrus a lot and I know that Kyle and I have discussed this but I sit back with Cyrus a lot and I'll tell him I'll be like listen I know you're seeing your brother do things that you're not doing right now But your brother seeing you do a lot of things that he doesn't do and i have to explain that to cyrus like cyrus is up on a horse you know once a week or he's in a spider cage or he's got all of these people that's on his team that just absolutely love and adore him that he gets all this special attention all the time and i have to tell cyrus that that yeah you're gonna see your brother take steps you're gonna see him do all this but he's never gonna take steps in a gait trainer. I'll tell you right now, like you are, cause you're a superstar, <laughs> you know? Like your brother can't eat and sleep at the same time. You can, I'd like to see him try, you know? So there's always this making it known that everybody does things differently. It doesn't just have to be siblings. Every single person will do things differently than the next. And just trying to remind both the boys that it's okay that they're doing things differently. Just knowing that they're two different humans. They're they're their own individual people.
1: I hope to do an episode on this from a mama perspective, having a child after your firstborn being disabled and how how that looks from a, a mama perspective. But I really do want to thank you both for being vulnerable with us and opening up a bit i think it's really important i think you guys as fathers often are ignored we touched on it a lot today and i and i think your your experiences are beyond valid and your voices should be heard um, is there anything you think that we as wives and partners and friends and co-workers, who, whoever it is in your life, do you think there's anything that people can do to, to better support fathers in situations like this?
2: I think just uh, simply asking a question of, how are you doing? Or, you know, how are your kids? Or, uh, you know, goes a long way sometimes. Uh, I have the fortune to uh, have about 30 to 35 people uh, that work with me, for me. So sometimes... They know about my my, my situation with Lino and, you know, it's nice to see them acknowledge what you do as a father. Some of them follow me on Instagram and they're like, oh, my God, I saw you went to get breakfast with with your son. That's great. That's amazing. And, you know, we're not inventing the wheel here. You know, it is nice uh, at times to, of course, you know, have people acknowledge that. And I think that 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 really helps. Uh, but you know, more than that, I think that as, as wife or partner, spouse, I think it comes down just to a daily communication and a daily being able to, to thank each other for what you do. And I think sometimes I don't do that enough towards you. And maybe sometimes I'd like that a little bit more towards myself, but you know, you go on with your days and uh, there's, there's just things that sometimes you forget. And, you know, I think that's an opportunity to, to better myself that, and, you know, uh, maybe communicate more how I feel as a father because I think sometimes it really ends up being also one of those things where uh, as fathers and you go back to that concept of oh you know the stereotype the man and you know I come from an Italian family where you know my my father always worked and my mother was always home and 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 that type of situation so i i've never seen a lot of dialogue between my parents although they've been together 65 years but you know it's it's like do i have to do that because i've never kind of seen that you know as a thing so
3: i think just remembering you're on the same team and, and what you're there for it's certainly going off what you just said making sure that I mean really that you're both let each other know how thankful you are for what you do but one parent tends to be more the primary caregiver remembering you don't have to always shoulder all that that we're we're here we want to help and we don't always necessarily know the best way but you gotta give us the opportunity to do so and it's hard because you've gotten yourself to this point where you have to do everything and you have to be super parent and advocate and everything else but that can make it harder for us. When you think, you know, you're doing more and not burdening us, you're from an emotional standpoint, or or let us help, you know, whether it's help you help with the caring for for our child. That's why we're here. We appreciate everything you do and and show us you appreciate us. I know it's been hard for you to kind of let anybody else help without you feeling that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, I don't want to speak for you, but I know we've talked about things like that where it's, I don't know, everybody's in it together and, and maybe one person in the relationship does more of one thing or, or or the other does more of another. But it's just making sure you keep up the communication and just remember that you love each other. That's what you're there for is for your family. So everybody counts.
1: <laughs> oh, I like that. And, uh, I like that too. Yeah. And we do. We try to be super women. <laughs> we do. We try to do it all on our own. And I think it goes both ways that we try not to burden you and you yeah. try not to burden us. And then when that happens is when it really does all fall to shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's that lack of communication because we're so afraid to open up to each other or maybe put a little extra on that plate that's already overflowing. <laughs> so I just want to, again, just thank you guys for coming on today and having a chat and you know, speaking from that father perspective. Yes. Dads
3: can bitch and bowl us with the best of (laughs) you, (laughs) okay?
0: Yes, I want to thank you guys too. And I want to wish all the dads out there, whether you're... A dad with a disabled kid or medically complex kid or just a dad with a non disabled kid we want to wish all the dads out there happy Father's Day and uh, we want to remind all the moms too that dads can carry trauma and maybe today's a good opportunity to have a five-minute conversation and do a little digging and say you know you've gone through a lot too Um, because these men they most of them. The good ones. The good ones do go through a lot.
1: <laughs> yes, so if you have a good one out there. there. Yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Happy Thank Father's you. Day, Thank
1: everyone. You. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the
0: Bitching and Bolusing podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe for future episodes. Previous episodes can be heard on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. If you like what we said, please be sure to give us a share. You can follow us on Instagram at Bitching and Bolusing. And you can visit us at www.bitchingandbolisting.com.